Well, I thought I'd speak first, and then Bob could have the rebuttal. <laughs> I'm Jan, and I'm an alcoholic. And if you're new tonight, this is not normally the kind of meetings that we have, so please come back and talk to us after the meeting, too. Um, <clears throat> so I got sober in uh, 1981. And um, two years later, um, I decided uh, I would get married to another sober person. And uh, it was one of the worst two years of my life. We were married for two years. And it was uh, a very combative, and it was beginning to get a dangerous situation for me, and so I left. And after that time, the recovery of that divorce, because I was sober, was so painful. I didn't have anything to numb it with. And... Um, during that period, I had been so desperate that I found a God of my understanding, and I decided that um, that I'd become a nun, and which I literally did. And I was getting ready to ask to be an oblate of a Benedictine order, and I fear, figured that if... Um, that being married to Jesus would be easier than a human being. <laughs> and um, so I was pretty content, you know, with um, no relationships and uh, just having friends. I'd, made, I'd learned how to make uh, friends with women, and that was very satisfying because I uh, didn't used to trust women before I got sober, uh, but it was the sober women who helped me stay sober and taught me how to do the steps. And uh, so I was, uh, <clears throat> I had decided I was pretty safe, you know, and that um, you, you could have a happy and adequate sex life without anybody else. <laughs> and so I pretty much had the bases covered. And um, so... Um, I did get into a therapy group, and uh, it was a mixed group therapy uh, for recovering alcoholics, and it was very interesting, and that's where I met Bob, and I thought, oh, no, he is so cute. I am in such trouble, and uh, so... We decided to be friends, and we were friends for a while. And uh, some of the things that I felt different about him that I had about my two previous uh, ex-husbands was that he was willing to work on anything in group therapy or in the steps, and that... Um, he had a gentleness about him that I was very attracted to, and I had been very attracted to dangerous men. And so being attracted to a safe person and a gentle person was very new for me. 
And um, so we dated for 10 years. And um, actually, during part of that time, we were living together, in fact, most of it. But neither, both of us had been married and divorced, and we didn't want to go through that again. So, you know, not getting married seemed like uh, the right step. But after 10 years, Bob asked me to marry him. And, you know, I found that I really wanted to be married to him. And so we got married 11 years into our uh, relationship. And um, we got married in 1997. So this year will be 30 years. And this is our anniversary month, so we got married on the spring solstice. <laughs> so that really is a miracle. I mean, that's incredible. Um, part of my story uh, is that uh, we have a uh, couples counselor uh, that we have seen many times. And one of our agreements is is that if either one of us wants to uh, go back into therapy, that the other one will go. Um, whether they think there's nothing wrong or not, we just say yes. And uh, we kind of talk about the fact that we have a therapist on retainer <laughs> and uh, instead of a bells, bell bondsman on retainer. So that's a step up. Um, <clears throat> so I fell in love with this man. I thought this, you know, we're going to work it out. Um, and uh, he had a six-year-old daughter. And uh, I had never wanted to have children. Um, I didn't think I'd make a good mother. And I just wasn't drawn to it. And, uh, and he had a, a very active uh, six-year-old kid and she lived with us um, three or four days a week and so I had to go get help with that and uh, and one of the things we did was we went into we did uh, parenting classes which are very interesting and um, so I kind of uh, tried doing a little step parenting, and uh, it was not received well. <laughs> and uh, she didn't want another mother. She didn't need one. And, uh, and so I, I went and got some, some help with that and some advice about that. And um, this uh, step parent workshop that I went to, the guy said, well, why don't you just not be there all the time and not try and parent this child who already has parents? Why don't you just go take care of yourself and let Bob take care of his daughter? And um, that was a great piece of advice for me. So I would plan all kinds of things that I was interested in doing that we probably wouldn't do as a couple. And it was, um, and I got out of their way. And so I wasn't seeing all the stuff I didn't agree with, you know. And uh, 
So it took a lot of the um, angst out of that situation. And I will say that um, that six-year-old daughter is now 36 years old. And I really like her as an adult. A lot. I like her as an adult. We've traveled together as a family. We've done a lot of fun things together. And I think she likes me okay. And I am just so grateful that I did not interfere in that relationship that he, that he had with her. And, uh, you know, but I, I, that was not my first instinct. You know, I was going to fix the situation. I was going to fix the kid. I was going to fix the father. And um, nobody wanted fixing. <laughs> and um, so just backing off of that really helped me. Um, Fifteen years into sobriety, I remembered uh, the trauma of being raped, and that really shut down our sex life. That was really tough. I couldn't stand being touched by anyone. And um, I went into therapy for it and uh, screamed and cried and uh, shook and uh, went through the emotions of recovering from that, and it was very, very difficult. And one of the things that just impressed the hell out of me was that Bob went into therapy for um, partners of sexual abuse. And, um, and I, I think that that was very difficult uh, for him, and um, I'm so grateful um, that we were able to walk through that time together. Um, you know what I what I found is that our personalities uh, are different, but they match pretty well. Um, both of us have made amends to each other thousands of times but we've both done the inventory work and uh, you know taken a real look at ourselves and tried to stay on our own side of the street and I did that partly by going to Al-Anon <coughs> and uh, <coughs> I was uh, talking with a friend the other day about this, and we were talking about if there's a yardstick, <clears throat> the first inch is uh, awareness, and maybe awareness that there's a problem or an irritation or awareness that there's a situation. And the last inch is action. So those are two A's. And the third A is acceptance. And that goes everything in between the first inch and the last inch. is coming to accept the situation that I can't do anything about. Uh, accepting my partner exactly the way he is, not the way I want him to be. Um, and probably most of all, accepting myself, you know, for having... Um, a lot of difficulty um, 
a lot of it I didn't even know was going to come up until I got into a really secure relationship, um, like remembering being raped. Um, you know, I think I had to get safe enough, and I had not been safe through my whole drinking career. Um, I put myself in a lot of really awful situations, and then I blamed myself because I was drunk. And over that rape, I blamed myself because I was drunk. And uh, so finding a way to be gentle with my own recovery and with the people around me. Um, another thing that we have done is go to a lot of meetings um, consistently. This is our home group. Uh, and uh, therefore we come back here. We go to other groups sometimes too, but um, this is our home group. And you know that I'm so grateful that I was so broken uh, about my alcoholism because it was, I could accept help. And I was also so broken about relationships so I could be retrained um, how to handle situations that I didn't know how to handle and that were not intuitively coming to me either. Um, and, uh, you know, what a blessing that being broken um, led me here to uh, a real consistent way of dealing with problems, because like the book says, we're problem people, you know. Um, taking that time to do my personal inventory, I often do that in the morning when I do prayer and meditation. And I can be absolutely certain that I'm right about a situation, you know. And I have the opportunity to really press that point, how right I am. Or uh, have instead choose to be compassionate about the person that I live with instead of being right or wrong. Um, because I know that Bob does the very best he can. And I know that I do too, even though sometimes that's really piss poor. It's, you know... Uh, we're right where we are in our learning. And um, I asked my Elanon sponsor one time, how do you stay married for such a long time? Because she was married for like 55 years, I think. She said, um, don't die and don't get divorced. <laughs> and I did not find that particularly helpful. Um, <laughs> I said, you know, there's got to be a little bit more to it than that. And um, she, she uh, very quickly turned me back to the steps. And um, so I, I do the steps in, in two programs. And I have sponsees in both programs. And I go to meetings every week to both programs. And it's part of my commitment to our relationship as well as to myself. You know, when I got sober um, and started feeling better, you know, and noticing the people around me and 
learning how to have interactions with people that were healthy. Um, I also became aware of this real deep feeling inside that I wanted to have a partner, that I wanted to have that um, companion. And I just didn't know how, you know, to do that. And, of course, the first person that I picked was um, terrible. And uh, and he agrees I'm terrible, too. Um, We were a really bad match. And... uh, Um, But that yearning continued even after that, and I was able to channel that into my spiritual life um, for a long time. And it's always helpful for me to remember, you know, that that's really where my base is. And sometimes we we have these cycles. I kind of like to think of them as going around like this, and I'll fall out of love, and I'll think, what am I doing here? And who is that person in my house, you know? <laughs> and uh, realize that I'm off the AA beam and do my own work and stay out of other people's way the best that I can, and pretty soon it'll come back around and I'll fall back in love again. And I have fallen back in love as many times as I've fallen out of love. And um, I'm really grateful for that. You know, I'm really grateful I've stayed, but it had to be a real um, working relationship. It had to have movement to it. And we both had to be headed in the same direction. And it, it's helped tremendously to, to both have the steps. I mean, we we try not to use. I don't. I don't think we use AA jargon to point out the other person's faults, um, although it goes through my mind sometimes. <laughs> but you know, there's also a solution for a bad attitude, mm-hmm. and uh, um, and I'm real grateful uh, that I have stayed around long enough to um, still have a really good companion in my life. I feel really blessed. One of the things I like to do is my uh, little symbol of our marriage, if I can get these off, is that um, I wear three bands. I have other rings, too, but I've been wearing these three lately. And the first one um, is me, and the second one is God, and the third one is Bob. And that um, there's always a higher power in between the two of us. And um, it's kind of like my uh, worry stone, you know, to have that reminder. Um, So I'm grateful for my sobriety, and uh, it's really nice to be here. Thank you. Bob, I'm a grateful alcoholic. Um, number of things she said that were very creative. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, but she's 
she's also very genuine and and, uh, and uh, a real gift in my life. So our memories are different. That's all. You know. <laughs> I'm sure that my memory is accurate a lot of the time. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. um, I uh, I. Uh, I'm a garden variety alcoholic. I came in here, uh, this has been my home group since I walked in, which was February 18th of 83. And uh, I was a frightened child at that point. You know, I was in a 34-year-old body, and I was scared, and I'd always had alcohol or morphine or heroin or a girlfriend, uh, or when I was a little kid, candy, uh, lots of it, and, and Coke, lots of caffeine. Um, you know, I, I did not do well in school at all. I, I, never, I never got a B or a, anything above a C in an academic class, never, uh, other than art and gym. They don't, <laughs> they don't have gym anymore, phys ed. Huh? And so, it, you know, my self-esteem was beaten down, and it scared me because I thought, you know, I remember my dad saying, "This school is your job," and I thought, "Oh fuck," um, you know, what, do you, what? And I didn't know, and so, find, the fear slowly morphed into anger with authority figures, and I could dish it up. Uh, I could dish it up to. By the time I was in fifth, sixth, seventh grade, I was, in the certain situations, I could be incredibly foul-mouthed to adults and, and push them to the limit. And back in the 50s, that wasn't done very often. Uh, but uh, anyways, you know, and so alcohol and drugs it started with, with uh, morphine and heroin. And of course, I got indicted on a number of felonies and that and that scared me bad, and I went into therapy, kind of crazy-ass uh, early 70s California therapy, which was wonderful, uh, although they did not diagnose my disease. But it did give me a group of people to be around, and I promised them that I would know, wouldn't shoot up again. And I've never shot, I've never injected anything or taken any narcotics since then. But of course, I had died. I picked up alcohol, which was not my drug of choice. It was hard to learn how to drink alcohol, but I did it. So where, where I could get to that comfortable place where I was at ease with the world, I just wanted to be at ease, you know? I carried a lot of fear and anxiety around with me um, all the time, every, all the time. And it infected every aspect of my life and uh, and so, of course, I was attracted. You know, the promises came true in my life when I had the, the correct amount of alcohol in my system. Mm. I was at ease for a short period of time, and I could be a part of, it felt like I could be a part of something. And then that slowly shrunk down, uh, where I, I was a part of, but not for very long. And, you know, I was uh, sleeping in the bushes or, or uh, throwing up or... Uh, some nights there wasn't enough alcohol for me to drink. Um, anyways, I came, I got here, and I was so grateful because I'd been in therapy before for a year, crazy-ass therapy. 
that worked for me. And I thought, well, this is, you know, the whole process didn't scare me. I knew I was sick. I knew I had a dis-ease with the world. And here were a bunch of people that were laughing and welcoming to me and said, there is a solution. And, uh, you know, we encourage you to get a sponsor. And we encourage you to embark on the steps. And, you know, and, and then you'll have this spiritual experience, whatever that's going to look like. And, of course, I got stuck on the, the second step, you know, this God stuff. Uh, I remember a, a, a guy that I trusted, but I didn't like him, said, is there the possibility that there's a loving higher power in your life? Because I was being very, hey, I don't know. I'm supposed to, am I supposed to make this up and pretend? Because that's not going to fly. You know, it won't fly for long. And he said, no, just the possibility. And I said, sure, there's a possibility. He said, well, that's all you need. That is it. You can just hang there. And 35 years later, that's where, that's where I am. Uh, and I'm, a very, I'm a very interested in people that have, a, have faith and, and a soundness to their spiritual connectedness. And, and, but I don't understand it. But I don't need to because what I've got works. Um, and I, uh, to get back to the relationship with uh, the precious over there, <laughs> I remember her sitting over here crying with, uh, uh, with an AA member because she, I guess she'd been divorced during meetings, you know, just carrying on. Quite the drama queen. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And then she approached me. I'd done my fourth step, so it wasn't 13th stepping. And, and, and was interested, you know, said, well, maybe we could go out for coffee or something. And I said, sure. But I considered her to be an adult. You know, she seemed to have a lot of adult presence. And I, as I addressed earlier, was, I was not an adult. So to be around someone like that was like, I can, you know. And so it never occurred to me that there might be a romantic connection. And that was, it could have been, that could have been God working in my life. I don't know. Because I got to know Jan. We would go out and have, have lunch together. And I got to trust her. We, have a, we had a friendship that was established. And, uh, you know, prior to that, uh, you know, every once in a while a girl would pick me up. And I, I did not have any skills to pick up girls. <laughs> And I also had some real issues, performance issues in bed. And I was like, oh, God. And then it would happen. It would be like, oh, shit. You know? <laughs> and it would scare me so bad that I would emotion, I would be gone, emotionally not present. And, and there was no one, you know, they were on a date with this guy, and he wasn't there. No wonder who the hell is this guy? You know, I was so frightened of that. And so I got to know her, and then we were listening to this uh, NPR program, uh, radio program, uh, and, and they were, t- I don't know what they were talking about, but I got this warm rush through me, like a, like a 13-year-old with, with a first girlfriend. And I didn't even realize what it was, and that's what it was like, oh. And so the next time we went to lunch, I said, when can I see you again? And, of course, she immediately picked up on what was going on. <laughs> and, you know, and, and we started dating, and we were in therapy, and, and we had to separate. We had to be in different therapy groups. It was, it was 
not kosher to date in the same group, which is, it was fine. Um, and I had a five-year-old or six-year-old daughter, and I had no parenting skills. I did no, not know how to set boundaries. Uh, the only thing I had was the program. And I was working that kind of. You know, when back pressure would build up and, and I would just be crazy for a while, then I would eventually do a, a fear inventory or a resentment inventory. Uh, so it was, you know. And I didn't get on uh, pain. I didn't get on uh, medication for my uh, depression until I was eight, eight years sober. So I was, I would get depressed. And I'd always been depressed, so I was like, this is normal, you know. And, and that was a, a challenge to be in a relationship, to be sober and go into depressions sober, you know, and think, you know, fuck, fuck, fuck everything. But mostly just fuck myself, you know. The only thing I could do prior to arriving in this room was to har harm myself, whether it was being abusive to a police officer, uh, which I did on a number of occasions, and the consequences were always the same, uh, or any number of things, but it, I was the one who was harmed. And I'd never realized that that was the only power I felt I had. Uh, so I used that power on a regular basis when things were hopeless. Uh, and then I got into this program, and all of a sudden I was able to start to look at my fears and to understand how scared I was all the time. And I was frightened to death to be in a relationship with her, a romantic relationship. And the sexual part, you know, she did a little bit of educating of me. I'd never had a woman who educated me in bed. She just told me what to do. <laughs> and it was wonderful, you know? It was wonderful. It was like, I can do, I can follow directions. <laughs> and so all of that anxiety and fear was removed from my life. And I was like, I couldn't believe it, really. I was like, again, is this God working in my life? I don't know, but it's pretty cool. Because I was sure up to that point that I was just, you know, I didn't, whatever it took, I didn't have it. Um, and, uh, and we, you know, all of this stuff she talked about and I talk about, all these things we, that we did above and beyond the AA program, they're all built on the foundation of maintaining my program and maintaining my fear and resentment inventories with a sponsor or with someone I can grab during the meeting. If I'm coming to pieces, I grabbed people and gone out and sat in the back and did a, you know, did an inventory with them and said, I'm scared to death here. And I don't know what to do. You know, it was my little, my little rowboat was rocking and I was the only one in it. And I was standing up looking for the horizon or something, you know, and this other AA person I would grab a hold of was in a, in a much bigger boat because it wasn't their problem. They were like, oh. First of all, you can sit down, you know, sit down, relax, talk about it. And they would make some suggestions that would lead me back to the fact that I was scared. It's okay, you know, you're, I'm scared and that is something we all have in common at times. We're all f so frightened that I cannot think how to figure, I can't figure anything out. And uh, I don't have to drink. I do not have to take a drink or, you know... Uh, do any anything other than keep coming back and 
eventually uh, avail myself of the program uh, and be a garden variety alcoholic uh, and acknowledge that the people that I'm upset with are perhaps spiritually sick. I don't know. You know, I, I just I write that sick man prayer out when I do inventories, uh, you know, because it's important to me to remember that that's none of my business. I'm giving what is real or perceived the behavior that someone else is exhibiting to a loving God. And I am just focusing on what I can do about my attitude. Because if I work the program, I can get an attitude adjustment. Within a minute, within an hour, a day, it'll change. Um, I, I remember uh, when we went to parenting, parenting classes and uh, I remember sitting in the 4th of July watching the fireworks. Jan and I were sitting together. We'd been dating for a few months. It was love. And my daughter wormed her way in between us. <laughs> a, a very typical thing. And Jan gave me, gave me the snake eye. I go, what are you going to do? And I went into a whiteout. I disappeared. I don't remember the next 10 minutes. I was gone. It was like, this is way too scary. There's these two strong females, and I'm going away. <laughs> and I went away. But, of course, then, I, you know, we talked about it later. She brought it up. And, you know, eventually we went to class, and I learned how to set appropriate boundaries, something I had not had as a child. When I was a child, I, I was, it was wide open in my house. All the kids from the neighborhood who were allowed to be at my house would be there because we could we could build bombs. We could, I had lots of guns in the basement. We had a shooting range in the basement. It was just it was wild, and um, you know, and it was didn't seem wild to me. It was like, of course, you know, if you were as lucky as me, you know, you could empty shotgun shells until you had a quart jar of black powder and have some fun. <laughs> um, Anyway, so I remember my daughter had a friend over, and this was at my ex-wife's apartment, and I was visiting my daughter, and I'd, I'd moved out uh, from my ex-wife, and, and I had not divorced yet, and I was dating Jan, and uh, my daughter had a friend over, and she threw a, a fit. And it had nothing to do with me. She just threw a fit. And so I asked her to go into her bedroom and stay there until she felt like she could, and you know, be present for her friend. And she wasn't going to do it. So I picked her up, and, you know, she gra grabbing door jams <laughs> on the way into her bedroom and then put her down and said, you can come out when you're ready. And she came right back out. And I put her back in her bedroom, I don't know how many times, each time with door jams screaming. And finally, she collapsed on the floor. And it seemed like a minute later, two minutes later, she came out and she was like, totally fine. You know, she had surrendered. And, it, and that whole process had made me feel sick. It had made me ill because... I'd never done it before, and I thought, I, I need her to like me, you know. I didn't, you know, the reality was it made me ill. But I, I was able to set appropriate boundaries for her for the rest of her childhood so that she could be seven years old within those boundaries or ten years old or whatever. And shockingly, she is a well-adjusted, <laughs> uh, loving, nurturing 
adult. <laughs> and that's a miracle because, you know, because a, lot, because a lot of the time I still get frightened, you know. You put me in traffic and somebody cuts me off. It has nothing to do with me. They're just in a hurry, They're, you know, and I can, you know, I don't get, I don't chase them down. <laughs> well, I don't chase them down and run them off the road. <laughs> but I have, you know, and, uh, and I have not, uh, I do not have a, a bondsman on retainer. Uh, and I have not been in jail since I got sober, which is a, a pretty cool, because I went to jail many, many times before, uh, not because of my drinking, because of my drinking in my mouth. Um, so it's been, a sl I'm having a slow recovery. Um, it's probably just the way it's supposed to be, you know. I've gotten to, you guys have loved me and accepted me, and, and I've been able to grow up a lot of times in front of you, uh, you know, uh, with all of the self-absorption, you know. When I, there are still times when I'm very self-absorbed, but when I first came in here, that's all I knew how to be. And, of course, being up here with the comedian, my head is not a friendly place to be for the most part. There's no balance up there. There's no love or an acceptance. Uh, so what I needed was a community of people who would, who if I showed up and asked for help, or if you just, even if I just showed up, would express some concern and love for me, which is what you people did and do do. And so if you're new, and and this place or any AA club resonates with you. Give it a chance. Come back, because there will be, you know, it can open up, uh, it can open up things that are unimaginable. Emotional growth for me, where I'm really, I'm an adult, for the most part, uh, <laughs> for the vast majority of the of, of the waking time I spent during the day, I'm an adult, and I and I get to appreciate all of that interaction with other people, be they. Kids, adults, street drunks, whatever. Uh, I can, I can, you know. And I've got friends. I've got lots of friends. Uh, and I, you know, I think I've learned a lot of that. But that low self-esteem I arrived with has been uh, remedied by being of service, by volunteering to be on a committee, or volunteering to chair a meeting, or volunteering to. Uh, work the kitchen or whatever it is, you know, whatever. Uh, but always having that. And for years it was, uh, you know, there was a part, the comedian, my, said, my head would go, you know, this is really inconvenient. Right. <laughs> it's really inconvenient. Uh, and I would do it anyways, because that, you know, that committee is not helpful. And instead of trying to drive it out of it, there's no driving it off. It's still up there and it still has its say. Today I can thank it for sharing, you know, because so, you know, I have choices now. Sobriety and recovery and the program uh, has given me choices, so I don't need to. Because when, when I follow what it says, then I'm just isolating myself. You know, I'd rather be right than happy. Um, and uh, that's a lonely place, you know. Uh, the... Uh, 
And the fear is painful. You know, the longer I've been so sober, the more painful it is to be in fear. So I don't stay in fear as long. Whether I just have to say, you know, there's a loving, there's a loving higher power, and uh, and I'm surrendering to you today. You know, the idea that that you know, not only was I powerless over alcohol and narcotics, but I was powerless over relationships and, and personal interactions and my job. Uh, it, it, it just took me a long time to slowly grasp that. Because, uh, you know, there was a part of me that wanted to be special. The only way I could make up from the big hole in my guts was to be special. And, I, you know, being, a, being special is a lonely place, you know. That's, and I don't know how to do it anyway, so. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, wonderful, uh, it's a wonderful life. Um, yeah, we've been together for 30 years. We've been married for maybe 20. Yeah. And, uh, but she's, she is, uh, you know, she's, she has taught me a lot. My daughter is a great teacher in my life. My wife is a great teacher in my life. And you people are wonderful teachers. When I will allow you all to do that, when I will just be, when I just say I don't know what I'm doing, you know, which when I was 10 years old, I didn't, you know, I didn't have, I, I, there was no safe place for me to take that information and fall apart. Uh, it wasn't until I came into these, these rooms. And uh, yeah, I'm so grateful that I'm just one of the kids uh, that gets the privilege of being a member of, of AA and, uh, and reaching out, you know, to the old timers that are, that, uh, might be grumpy or, you know, curmudgeon or, you know. <laughs> and the newcomers who are scared, who are making, breaking for the door when the meeting's over or whatever, you know, and saying, you know, if I'm available to them, uh, I can say, hey, it's going to be okay, you know, because you, you matter, you know, and, and I love you in a special way. I, that part of you that wants recovery, I love. It's the most attractive thing I've ever been involved with in my life. Thanks. Thank